Hi, everybody. It's uh, Pierre, uh, and we're here with Bedard's unofficial podcast. Uh, Richard DeCandoles with me. Hi, Richard. Good morning, Pierre. Yeah, good to be back talking about the Grand Portage. And we're going to kick it off uh, on the morning of day four, June 22nd, which was a Tuesday from, and the reason we know all these details is that we are looking at um, Richard's uh, journal uh, of the trip, which you'll soon be seeing on uh, Bedard.com. Now, before we go, just one bit of advertising, and that is this. Uh, don't forget to go to Amazon today. If you haven't purchased Toughest School in North America, or if your third cousin doesn't have at least five copies of it, we invite you to uh, go to Amazon.com and purchase it. But with that, let's get today's show going. And uh, Richard, welcome. Yes, thank you, second. Yes, indeed. Um, reading from my, my diary, let's let's move forward. Uh, as we've uh, now concluded the Grand Portage, which was a nine mile uh, journey through the Muskeg and the and the Rock of uh, Northern Ontario, or I guess Central Ontario, and we arrive at the Pigeon River. Uh, starting at six a.m. on the Tuesday morning, um, a crew of sixteen boys went back because we had left one canoe behind about uh, three or four kilometers back. And they, they uh, of course, had to bring it up to the camp so that we could all set off. 10 a.m., this crew finally arrived back with a canoe. So, sorry, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but what yeah. you're saying is that you did not complete the Grand Protect ah. until <laughs> this crew of laggards was sent back to pick up this lagging canoe. Is that what you're saying, just to clarify for the record? Busted, busted. Yeah. Okay, continue. <laughs> um, at 10 a.m., uh, they arrived back, and we had um, had breakfast at that point. I guess I might have must have been a leisurely late breakfast. And we then began setting out in groups of two canoes, uh, partly because um, there's limited uh, landing room and walking room on the Portage trails. And... Uh, so if all six boats arrived at the same time, it would be chaos with all the gear all over the place. Um, so the first two crews set out. It was a beautiful morning and we arrived at Partridge Falls and the first portage. Um, from there, completing the portage at 11 a.m., we uh, encountered swift water. It was very shallow bottom. We were then, of course, not enough water to actually paddle. So we pushed the canoes up the Partridge Rapids and then Further two hours of pushing through very ice cold waters. It was tough, tiresome work um, moving up the Pigeon River, which is um, approaching the height of land. That's um, about a day or so off. At 2 p.m., well, I've, I've never experienced anything like that river uh, yeah. in terms of just the how cold, how fast the current is. Uh, it's beautiful. And your pants come out of it squeaky clean. I've never had, you know, uh, cleaner. I mean, it's just, it basically washes whatever it touches, but amazing country. Yeah. Just amazing. And of course, we're at the tail end of spring runoff. So you've got ice melt uh, coming down those rivers uh, in June, um, which uh, take the, the water temperature down a degree or two at least. Yeah. Uh, what does that do to your, to like, you know, your crotch? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Gee. <laughs> it's well over no your comment. knees. 
Well, well over your knees, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it's up to your armpits, though. I think you're 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 safe safe at that point. Uh, at 2 p.m., the John West, which is my boat, reached South File Lake and the Portage, where we had a lunch stop. We crossed um, South File that afternoon, um, which at, at the end of the lake we encountered a sheer cliff with a narrow, dangerous trail. Um, big huge boulders at the bottom of it and driftwood so it must have been quite cluttered uh landing across south fall lake to north fowl lake and arrived at moose lake portage where we believe it or not this was our fourth camp um at the end of that portage um and there were light light rains we put in a good day health was excellent but Many swollen faces and arms from all the mosquito bites. Uh, Pierre, you'll remember the mosquitoes, the black uh, flies. The black flies. The noceums, were much worse. Um, just brutal, brutal. Well, the black um, flies would like actually bite you and take chunks of uh, skin and, and flesh. <laughs> the mosquitoes just actually went for the blood. Yeah. And were very annoying. I mean, getting, you know, we didn't have tents, at least we didn't. And so, but you get a mosquito in your sleeping bag that you can't get out by your head and you'd spend your whole night with hearing the buzz anyway. Yeah. But yeah, the, it's probably, it's just, it's horrifying. We uh, had um, uh, mosquito searching for the word, not helmets exactly, but uh they they were it was a veil Nets. like a beekeeper's yeah. veil that you could put over your head but it was so claustrophobic and and uh and it was hot and you really wouldn't want to sleep in it for the same reason you know you have trouble breathing but i guess it did keep the bugs at bay except they probably got in underneath uh after well a while. we had citronella i mean you know citronella yeah. is so effective to it uh, just it smells a lot like lemon that's it's my, effective smelling like lemon it does shit for the mosquitoes and the black flies but yeah um, I, it smells like it's doing something it's a lot like Vicks vape it's a Vicks vapor rub of uh, canoe trips I, I guess it did some good <laughs> I, the only thing that really did any good was wind uh, being out in the middle of a lake and uh keep them moving just trying to keep ahead of them to be honest but uh, you, you couldn't it, in camp and at night sleeping you had no you were a uh sitting duck as they say okay yeah. wednesday the 23rd we woke up at 5 a.m um again setting out in pairs um the first pair uh first hour reached three poor cherry portages these are kind of fun little portages um none of them more than a few steps long and it was you know it was almost a treat um encountering these these portages because it, you know it wasn't really going to be much work and you were back paddling right away um so we crossed greater cherry portage onto lily lakes uh but i say there were no lilies and i had uh but there was a small dock for loading that was one of the beauties of this of course uh, uh, boundary uh canoe route that uh had been in well had as we've mentioned at the last pod podcast had been in service thanks to the Northwest Company and the Coeur de Bois since about uh, probably the 1750s. I think it 
probably had not been used much in the last hundred years, but there were a lot of recreational canoeists, especially from Minnesota, because uh, of course the boundary route was the northern boundary of the state of Minnesota, and they they used it regularly. So there were a lot of kind of man-made features here and there, and this was one instance where there was a dock which we could pull up yeah. and, and unload. It was convenient. <laughs> well, but I don't remember the Yanks. I mean, the Americans, not that I'm American or anything, uh, but uh, I don't remember them like paddling canoes. I tend to remember motorboats. You know, I mean, yeah. they seem to have pretty good motorboats, at least on our trip. We didn't we didn't run into other uh, brigades or other yeah. uh, you know, think- joyous canoers. But it's just my perception. I didn't realize we got up at 5 a.m. either. Like, what the hell? Do you have a watch? Is that it? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm just asking. It's just well, like it, 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 the I guess sunrise must dawn, be sunrise. Getting up dawn. at dawn. Yeah. And it, what, uh, you know, as we talked about uh, 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 June canoe trips versus September canoe trips, you had like six hours more daylight, at least, in oh. June over September um, when the new boy canoe trips were run. And so we would be up just after dawn and, and then, you know, sunset Sunset was about 9.30, 9 p.m., somewhere in there. Well, so you, you couldn't have... waste the morning. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. You know, I learned this at St. John's. I learned it in, in growing up in Southern California. The wind picks up. Yeah. Uh, the, right in the mid morning and goes to hell and in canoes yeah. it's terrible yeah so it's a sin not to be up at dawn right. or it's a sin right. not to be uh you know on the road right you uh, could, just you, to make you could, make time you can make uh break the back of that day's objective between you know you'd probably get away by six six thirty maybe by noon uh easily because and if the wind picks up you can just sit around all afternoon well you could eat them. I mean, Jackson, you did hardtack. I mean, you've done hardtack peanut butter and honey in your canoe after about an hour. I mean, we used to do that all the time. Why don't I mention, I'm just thinking about our lunches and and that um, it was pretty much the same lunch menu day after day. Hardtack, as you mentioned, peanut butter, jam and honey or jam or honey, and then lemonade or tang. Do you remember the tang tang? uh, packages of powdered orange uh, and dried what soup. Took, tang is what took NASA to the moon. Really? Yeah. No, I mean, Tang was like developed uh, by the space program. It was one of those uh, things developed by the by NASA. Kind of the early Gatorade. It went eh? commercial. Yeah. No, Gatorade yeah. came out of the University of Florida, but that's another story. But same idea. But you know what? You you bring up a good point. When my year, at least in the seventies, they would like feed us glucose uh, in you know uh, during snowshoe trips, and actually they'd whip out the glucose canoeing too. I guess it was adolescent method breed. Uh, what, you know, like they would hype us up on sugar, or make what, sure what, we got our sugar pills, just glucose tabs. Glucose pill. Wow. Never. Or tabs. They're just like little, they were like Pez tabs that wow. were just pure sugar. No. Has nothing to do with my type 2 diabetes. No. Nothing. We we did we did not. In my day, 
uh, we didn't have such luxuries or such uh, uh, energy boosts. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, you brought it up. You brought yeah. up the food. Uh, I'll, I'll just finish the menu. Then we had the, a dried soup, usually a chicken noodle. I'm not sure how many variations there were on that, but nice and light. Fill a bucket of, of with water and throw in a bunch of packages. And it was a good lunch, good hot lunch. And uh, and then raisins, dried apple, and cheese. And I guess we used to pack um, pounds of cheddar cheese and chop it up. Or was it Velveeta cheese slices? Probably Velveeta cheese. No, slices. no. no? They, well, at least my year, they'd have like big uh, blocks. You know, what I'd call government issue cheese. Yeah. You know, the, somebody from school probably got sent down to the you know, uh, what we call in Quebec, uh, the Departement de Service Social to get their allocation of cheese for the school. That's I, It always looked government issue to me when we ate it, but yeah. that's just me. We had Velveeta a few times, but, you know, Velveeta was expensive. Okay. I was thinking <laughs> that the, the individually wrapped slices would be easy to dole out as opposed to chopping up a great block, but there we go. Oh, um, that's great for the environment. No, yeah, good point. No, we did not have Velveeta. Uh, maybe one of our listeners will correct us on that one. But uh, well, you know what we okay. The question I had, we had like these protein nuggets that you no. throw in and boil, and they were like meat substitutes. No, because the seventies were big on being eco without having the technology to be eco. I guess, but ah. it was actually it wasn't that bad. It, but it wasn't meat. But it was supposed no. to be like a, anyway. No, we I carried what the hell those were called. We carried a lot of tinned chili and stew, uh, chili, I guess. Um, but tins were and click munch luncheon meat, uh, spam. Spam. Those, those tins would all just get, I guess, thrown in the fire and burned a bit and then left. We did not pack out our garbage, and I'm glad to hear that. Uh, by your by your years that they were trying to reduce the amount of garbage you're leaving behind but uh, well most of it was dry i mean yeah. by the time like most of the stuff we packed was dry well but, interesting you know. no no tin meat then yeah i the, the thing rarely. i will bring up that i notice uh and, and it strikes me as being quite a luxury is that we used to get uh, on this trip uh looking ahead a bit we would get um uh, resupplied with garlic sausage, which, um, you know, that sounds like quite you a lot. You mean cooked sauce? Food. It's already cooked, right? It's like uh, oh, summer yeah, sausage. For, you it'll slice. Keep forever. Okay. Good. Like, oh, yeah. Like beef jerky, but a little more versatile and, and more flavor. I don't know. Same idea, really. Um, no, it's fan. Those are fantastic. I mean, yeah. that's exactly that's exactly the kind of meat you want on the canoe yeah. trip. All right. Um, the 23rd, okay, where did we get to? Um, so we were going over these three little portages through the Lily Lakes, crossed onto and over Lesser Cherry Portage and onto Mountain Lake, which is uh, where there was a, a dock at, at the end of each portage. And, and the distance, I'd say, labeled in rods by the US government. So we could see exactly how far we had to uh, to, to go on our, each portage, quite a, so what the hell? I mean, what's a, what the hell's a rod? Is a rod this or that? Like, explain to our <laughs> listeners and me. 
I don't know. It's just a unit of measurement, I think. I'd have to, I think we're gonna, you know. I, I uh, think it's a survey. Figure that out. I'm pretty sure it's a surveyor's um, distance and why they use it as opposed to feet or, oh, here we go. Portage lengths are in rods. One rod is 16 feet, 320 rods to one mile. This is courtesy of Thompson. Yes, Bill, Bull. That's why I said Bull will advise us. Right, who has uh, very kindly listed every portage. All the portages. And the its exact length, um, or the length. Yes, we will Google also tells. find that when I get to it, I'll also find that on Bedard's unofficial yeah. webpage. Very, very useful. Anyway, um, so uh, we cross Mountain Lake uh, on a head with a head on uh, with a head uh, through a headwind, and it was nine miles in length. Then we then crossed a 100 rod portage onto Wata 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 Lake through a small channel hidden hidden on onto Rove Lake. Cross that lake onto Long Portage, which is two miles. Interesting how I switch back and forth between rods and miles. But I think the maps we were using um, were basically in miles, not rods, and and uh, and so they had some of the distances marked on them. Uh, the but first, like it seems to come into play like with Rap Portage is only four rods long. You say here, yeah. Well, maybe it's the short guys. Yeah, I mean you couldn't measure a short portage in miles if you know point. Um, anyway, on long portage, that's two miles long. So I mean, if we hadn't done the grand, we'd be probably groaning and owning and moaning about uh, having to do a two-mile portage. Two miles—that's pretty slack. Yeah, but yeah, however, the, the first three quarters is through a swamp. Uh, you know, and that's—I uh, don't remember that swamp. Yeah. And what the heck up swamp up to a railroad track? My goodness. You know, this might be that they had built um, a kind of boardwalk railroad here. Um, but I don't know what this is all about, but it was a boardwalk. Uh, and there was a boardwalk wide enough for uh, packs and canoe carriers. Uh, one and the canoe carriers had to walk in the swamp. So the boardwalk wasn't wide enough for the for the canoe crew to. Uh, to use, I guess <laughs> you could take turns and have one side of the canoe walking on the boardwalk and the other side walking in the swamp, but that probably wouldn't have worked either. So it basically uh, was uh, beneficial to be in a pack carrier uh, for this particular portage. And the last canoe um, reached the end of the portage at 4.30 and everybody was pretty beat. Um, and then we left in pairs against a headwind up through a long narrow channel to Rat Portage, which is four large rod, four rods long over a, a, raw, a large rock. Uh, so what do you mean left in pairs, like two canoes? Two canoes at a time. We, we basically, um, to avoid congestion, the beginning and end of portages and using portages, we would go in pairs of two so that in most instances, the group had totally cleared a landing spot by the time the next pair arrived. And uh, and then when they got to the other side of the portage, the the, uh, the first yeah, okay. pair were, were underway. Keep talking. 
Mm-hmm. Keep talking. Eventually, yeah, well, <laughs> I'll buy it. Eventually, I'll buy it. That sounds. Yeah. Well, that was the theory. <laughs> well, and... like there's only two bursts at, at Portages. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, it, it was pretty tight quarters. Imagine with me another scenario where you have people, you have all four canoes come in and certain people are assigned to the food boxes and the packs and others are assigned to the canoes. (laughs) And in an organized manner, you make it over the portage. Imagine with me anyway, but maybe in the sixties, you were still figuring this stuff out. With six oh, boats. there were six. So you had six. to go three. And, oh, okay, okay, okay. I mean, so that you that had to break sense. it up a bit. And uh, anyway, that was the way we were doing it. Um, Interesting. And I think it it mattered less and less. It was in this first day or three where there were one portage after another. And they were, you know, it was fairly uh, tight quarters at each point. But It's like I, being I, at Disneyland. I mean, yeah, it's the Disneyland yeah. of lakes. Uh, yeah, it was. Right? You go was from just, little lake, little beautiful lake to other magical, beautiful lake. Magical. Um, and, uh, you know, so so undisturbed and private and uh, pristine, all of that. And I think we had pretty good weather. You know, it wasn't hot or anything, but. Nothing but, but Americans. Nothing but Americans and Border Patrol to be seen. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Especially after Gunflint where the road comes in to meet us. But uh, through here, I don't think we met too many people. I'll just finish this day. We crossed, uh, then we went over the Rat Portage onto Rat Lake, and then on over to uh, to the south, at, at what at the end of Rat Lake, we crossed the South Lake Portage and camped at the end of South Lake. It was 8.30 at night. Sunny evening, but light thunder showers that night. And I think this is a good place to um, to uh, stop our, our discussion because tomorrow we go over the height of land. That's what I was going to ask. So I will not give you any shit about the height of land during this podcast. Okay. I can wait in, until yeah. the next podcast to discuss the... Yeah. And this, of course, uh, yeah, is a... Is a, is a momentous kind of moment uh, and and historically the height of land was it was a, a a ceremonial moment for every canoe brigade that went through uh during the fur trade days and and sounds like it became more so a a, a case uh for st john's in later years which we'll hear about next well time. personally if i had not gone through the height of land uh ceremony uh, I would never be, ever be comfortable with my own personal manhood, but luckily, <laughs> I went through the ceremony, and, as and we'll you talk be, about uh, next time. You'd be demanding your money back, otherwise. So I just want to bring up: uh, Did you yep. notice that what Bill? Uh, I mean, uh, I want to thank uh, Mole Bill Thompson for sending stuff, and we'll post that. But also, one thing Bill uh, went out to say is that uh, his brother who now lives in the UK, uh, who did the grand with me, is always eager to point out to Bill that we our brigade beat his by a half day, which is really, you know, it was great to that I, you know, I live in this fantasy that I own the record or my crew owns a record or the brigade I was in lagging and bailing out a canoe and being pretty much useless, you know, wins the I'm- record. Nonetheless, we win the record. Unbeaten. Wow. Uh, quite a legacy. And 
I'm not going to challenge you because I have no. Well, I I know we were we were longer. We got uh, windbound several times. So we well, the grand. You know, the more we get, the more we get into this series, the grand is just an amazing trip. Yeah, I mean, every facet we're going to go through every facet of it, you know, sure. uh, bit by bit. But you know, yeah. there's like stories that go behind everything. Great sure. trip. Anyway, so with that, Richard, thank you very much, and yeah. uh, we'll see everybody uh, quite soon, I hope. And uh, outside of that, it's uh, goodbye from Pierre and uh, Richard. Have a good day. <laughs>